0: Abin, yeah. This is the Black Country Bloke to the Fat about everything it is mental health, health, disability, and life in general. He, sorry, here with me as always, Kev Dylan and my partner in crime, Lee cabman And we're joined once again by Dr. Steve Mann. So thank you, Doc, for coming on.
1: It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure.
0: And as always, we're gonna be getting to know uh doc and all these uh things about the NHS men's. i oh, just having a rattle. It's great talking to someone who works in HS, and we forget our doctors and nurses aren't just doctors and nurses, they're human beings. And a lot of times they bring that stress back, like we've had um, people in different things, and we think, you know, when we're there and we feel pooling, and we're shouting at the doctor, and why can't you find a cure? And you're thinking, he too is a human being. So we're going to be talking about Steve as a man. But before we get to that, we're going to do our gratitude list, as we do all the time. And... um. I was out on the weekend with the boxing again. I was out with William Wilson, uh, who boxed twice, and Tom Jones. Will Wilson had to fight on the Friday in the semi-finals. He had to fight last Saturday, won, against a lad who beat him. Then he fought on the Friday against a very tough Pole who's stopping everyone with his uh, his backhand, beat him. Then we boxed a lad called Dan Kerrigan. Dan Kerrigan's one of the best lads, not only in the country, but was almost selected for the world's fantastic i think he's had like 52 bouts, only lost two or three he's won the nationals five times european gold and we bloody beat him great fight we won on split decision so william wilson is now through to the pre-quarters so we're up north this week uh, we had tom jones who boxed um farron farrell very talented lad beat us but it's a bloody good fight and i'm so proud of tom for I pushing farrell to the to the limit really hard fight but also how he conducted himself in the boat and after the boat over, shook all the farrell's hands and it makes you feel proud to be a lion when you are at hard working good people so i'm grateful for the boxers all the hard work they put in and i'm grateful for my coaching staff because you know we all do it for sod all going out not only up here all day which i've been all day but um out to these show so i'm grateful for my team what are you grateful for
2: Oh, I'm grateful to the treadmill I've just purchased and to get back in training. So my first two days of training, and although I'm aching now, I forgot what it felt like to finish a training session and have all that adrenaline pumping and that feel-good factor. So yeah, I'm, gra- I'm grateful for that today.
0: I did a run today. Oh, I hate running though. I oh, like don't
2: enjoy, actually enjoy doing no, it. I enjoy I the end product of it though.
0: I didn't enjoy the end product, either. but, <laughs> I, but I, I said one of my videos, you know, I'm always posting my videos on YouTube and Instagram and everywhere else. And I've been exercising, dieting for a month now. And this, I'm training every day. I haven't had a takeaway. I haven't had a drink all month. Um Doing everything. Right. I'm weight like that. At the moment, I've been really positive, really positive. But I said, it's now when you get tested. It's when you put all the positive out. You're not seeing the instant results and if you go sorry i'm gonna have a chinese and 10 beers or i'm gonna have this week off this is the part where the universe tests you you've got to push through this bit now because the results are coming
2: or you could just reframe it and stop measuring yourself and and realize how much healthier you feel instead of looking at the scale
0: well, just a scale, but not and you feel any, but you want that beef fast boss, don't you? Yeah. But I am feeling better. I am sleeping better.
2: It's like, a marathon, mate, not a sprint. well yeah, and I, I have been feeling like I've been really positive, <laughs> but the last
0: few this week, I've been I've had to, to remind myself to be positive. Yeah, because as I say, it's but that's you know going to it. What are you, what are you? grateful for well, I'm
1: grateful for you guys um getting getting fit could keep keep me uh, quiet <laughs> I, it's, it's great I mean I agree i I totally get it I mean there is this whole movement is there to not weigh yourself yeah they' say look at the numbers is sometimes you know not helpful yeah uh, you know it's how you feel et cetera et cetera I mean the weight is important the weight's a long term goal isn't yeah. it I always say to, to to patients that um if you're trying to lose weight, that's fine if you if it becomes an obsession or yeah. If you're dieting to achieve I think the problem is it's about changing lifestyle, isn't yeah. it? If you diet and you go back to what you're doing before, like you said, you go back to where you were before. If you can change your lifestyle, make those small things that help you move in the right direction, that's really, really helpful. Um, I always say if one person in the family gets healthy, the whole family get healthy because you all start looking at what you're doing and where the hidden sugar is and having that walk at the end of the day, which, you know, even a walk, you know, great for your mental health, really, really just helps just, uh, you know, blow a few cobwebs away and 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 clear things up but I wanted to you say what am I grateful for I've got a patient today who's, who's um had a battle with a drink mm. and um actually has made his first step I think today and I'm grateful because it's great to see someone make a step forward mm. um actually has for the first time agreed to see someone actually going up to Atlantic House up in Lye mm. talking to the alcohol counselors up there and this has been probably several years coming and I think people get get you know they find it so difficult to do but when they make a first step you know it, it's uh, a real di- making a real difference so my gratitude is that person they'll know who they are um who's actually made that step
0: we've got dr lloyd coming on the radio um and then we're gonna put it on to our podcast and he he, he works with atlantic house and yeah he does
1: yeah lloyd baron i know him well
0: and we've had a uh, have a lot of my friends and people i know have gone to atlantic house it'll be nice hearing it on the doctor's side yeah. instead of the patient's side and that's all we want to do on it, we? is we're frightened and we have both there on mental problems going to the doctor and you're thinking oh god what's he going to say is he going to section with me he's going to take the kids away and we're catastrophized getting help don't we yeah. a lot of the time and a lot of the time it's not as bad as we yeah. thought it was going to be and a lot of the time it's actually quite refreshing even mm. just to
1: admit to yourself and someone else that you have got a problem yeah i mean i'm amazed how often Someone comes in, often it's a bloke because we're not so good at talking as the girls, mm. but you know, not always. But actually, just sharing that problem. Mm. So they come and see me and actually they have that conversation. And you think, well, I don't think, well, I've not, I've not prescribed anything. Mm. I've made some simple suggestions or maybe, rec- I mean, for example, in Dudley, I think we said this last time, you can refer yourself to Dudley Talking Therapies so and just go online, you can refer yourself. So you may suggest that. And actually I'll then follow them up, say a week or two later with a phone call or a text and they'll go, I'm just feeling better. And just making that mm. a bit like the chap I just mentioned with the alcohol, making that first step makes a difference. And and you can't, you know, you can't measure it or plan it. It just knowing that you've made that step forward actually just starts to put lots of little things in place which makes a difference long term.
0: Do you have loads of people not like but the average bloke who come in with a bad back or something and then Mm-hmm. He's coming into Oh I, I've i got A bit of a tummy ache And then By talking Then he goes Well is there something else There Mr Dillon yeah. And then before you know it does that happened to you probably yeah, example, it
2: did, yeah. yeah it did Yeah it did I can't even remember When he went to Doctor's Swan And I'm not so that happens a lot of blokes i'm not the kind of person who goes to the doctor yeah but i went to the doctor and it was something st- stupid i can't remember about this I don't know an ear infection or something that any other day to be honest i'd have just carried on my day but what i really wanted to say was about my mental health mm. and how poor i was doing in that side but i wasn't brave enough to do that yeah so i went in uh, under the guise of an ear infection or something and uh but as soon as I got in, there, and he started asking how it was. I think he saw, to be honest. I yeah. think he saw and, and uh, yeah, broke
1: down in the doctors. Yeah. Just, just. I think it's too there are two things going on there, aren't there? There's what in medicine we call it, the hidden agenda. So you come in and you may come in several times with a minor problem, or you might bring your child several times with a minor problem when the actual problem is there's, it's worrying you. And it, it may be a physical thing, it may be a mental thing, mm. you know, and and that that's really a common thing. And that's why quite, quite often doctors, or my friends say, he said to me, everything all right, as I was leaving the room or, you know, and that's just just checking and safety, and saying to the patient, is everything all right? Is everything okay? To so let you, as you say, discuss that that issue that actually is in the, in the back of your mind, but you didn't want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And you do, you get patients who come in several times, and then suddenly out it comes, you know, about so you know the problem that's really there. So you've got the hidden agenda. The other thing is somatizing. So sometimes if you're worried, stressed, or anxious about things, You'll get a symptom elsewhere, which actually isn't anything. But you keep coming back to the same symptom for which there's no medical cause, and that's quite a common thing as well. Um, and I say to patients frequently, I can tell you what it isn't. Yeah. I can't always tell you what it is because not everything has a, a medical cause. Well,
2: and uh, a lot of um, stress and anxiety cause physical problems, don't yeah, they? Exactly. And it's I mean. and, and that's harder to kind of diagnose. Yeah. Because most people think, well, it's a physical problem, so there must be. Yeah
1: something physical wrong as such yeah you've put the t- yeah i use the word somatization mm-hmm. you put it perfectly um exactly you got a cycle psych- you know there's a, a problem that's upsetting you worrying you and it manifests itself as a physical symptom When in fact the actual problem is a psychological one so yeah that's summarized and sometimes like you don't even know that you worry because you're so used to
0: battling on Mm. You don't, and you think you, your stomach's always in knots, and you yeah. think you've just got used to it being in knots, and you think, well, maybe I should get this checked. And you know, you have to skip the stethoscope and <laughs> yeah. you have a problem, and you go, but well, yeah. it looks all right, but you go, I don't. And doctors are expected to be gods, aren't they? You're supposed to know exactly what is wrong with me straight
1: away, and it's a yeah. lot of pressure on you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, and, and but that's what you're trained to do. And I think if you look at the way the NHS is at the moment, that's what your GPs are there for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we risk because, you know, the minute you talk about the NHS, everyone says, you know, we need more hospitals, we need more. And actually, the bedrock of the NHS, I believe, is your GP. Mm. And the benefit of your GP is they can, they know you and they can look at the things that are actually troubling you and they know about what's going on in the area, family, friends, they know all about that sort of stuff. And that helps them do the right thing for you. Whereas if you pitch up to a hospital with a weird symptom, mm. before you know it, you're having scans left, right, and center. You've probably got a tube where you don't want it. And you're having mm. blood tests and all bits and pieces. And all that does is raise your anxiety. Because mm. what actually happens, you don't deal with the psychological side of things, is you end up in a position where you get increasingly investigated, and there isn't a solution. But every investigation raises anxiety. I mean, I, I say to medical students, we have medical students in the practice, I say, and of course, they're young people. So, so say, have you ever had a test? And They go, no. I said, well, you've got any idea what it's like if you ever have a test done? I said, it's, it's really quite stressful. Wait, having the test done, waiting mm-hmm. for the test to come back, wondering what it will be. And, but young doctors now talk very much, you know, here's a problem. These are the tests you must do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes, it, as you say, uh, when you go
0: to your GP and he goes, Ooh. oh, I want to go to the hospital now, you're thinking, oh, my God, I ain't coming back yeah. to life. <laughs> yeah. And then you think, well, if I've got to get up, and then, you know, when it's uh, the next, we'll let you know in a week or so, and the next yeah. day I phone, you, you're thinking, Why? Well, let me know so fast. Could you come in? Yeah. And you say that, without thinking about it, because you're trying to be brave, you're trying, but your heart's pounding. You're oh. thinking, have I got to give my loved ones and kids goodbye? Yeah, exactly. And, and the signs of anxiety for me, who's had a lot of panic attacks and I still suffer them now, you do thought you're going to die. Mm. You have to remind mm. yourself, because I've had them so long, this will pass. Yeah. I'm not dying. But when you first have them, and even to this day when one comes out the blue, you feel like you're going to die. Yeah, And it's, you know, and then when you've got that on top of being poorly as well,
1: Yeah, it's enough to finish you off, isn't it? Yeah. Well, hopefully not finish you off, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, you, as you say, you get a spiral of anxiety and worry about things. I think the one thing I say to people, think, a lot of people who've been through anxiety and panic attacks will develop different techniques of coping with them. Mm. And there'll be different ones for different people. Yes, You may learn it from different counsellors, You may learn it online or whatever. I think the really key thing for me is if you have a technique that works, keep practicing. It's like your boxing. Yes. I get a load of patients who have panic attacks one year, everything settles down, life settles down. And three years later, they're back with the same problem because a set of circumstances mm. have arrived. And I say, do you practice what you taught before? And they go, no, I said, well, like anything you do, practice it, whether it's making a cup of tea, whether it's your boxing, whether it's rugby, whatever you do, practice, you know, because that's that, you know, practice is really help is really important because you lose those skills and managing your panic attacks is a skill to keep practicing it. And you practice, you practice
0: anything when you're well. Yeah, the best time to practice it for when you need it. When you're in trouble, you practice your self defense. So if you ever get in trouble, you know what to do. If you're trying to practice under crisis, you panic. Yeah. So with your mental health, like with me, like now, because I was going to have a Christmas and now I'm feeling better. I'm still carrying on the, um, uh, what's it called? What you say? Um, affirmations.
1: Uh, affirmations,
0: I can't remember that word. <laughs> affirmations in my head. And like, sometimes when I can't sleep, it don't matter if you can't sleep, Yeah, you're resting, you're with a woman you love in a house full of love in a bed and you're nice. And, and then by talking to yourself positive, you're all right. And yeah. when you do have a wobble, we've been here before. It didn't kill us last time, it ain't gonna kill us this time, yeah. But we practice while we will, yeah. And someone once said to it's like, if you have um, a coat hanger, you can bend it easy. More coat hangers you put there, harder it gets to bend into it, yeah. you know. What I mean, and these simple strands, you put enough of them together, it builds strength, yeah. And that's your mental resilience,
1: yeah. Well, resilience is, as you say, is key. I mean, and I think I know it sounds silly just to walk at the end of the day, I mean, you mm-hmm. know. It's, uh, you might see a lovely sunset, it might be a yeah. cool, crisp night tonight, but actually just half an hour on your own or walking with your other half, or, you know, just chewing the of what's gone on and what's bugging you and who's bugged you or who's done well. Because yeah, I think yeah. the other thing to do is celebrate the success and good things. I mean, mm-hmm. I like your gratitude thing, yeah. you know. To me, I was just smiling today about that, that, that one patient because that's taken a long time to get there.
2: I think sometimes you don't do that at the end yeah. of the day, like, I think about myself when my wife's coming back in for work, even if we're not podcasting or radio, she comes in and then we don't really stop and discuss the day. You, you know, you're on yeah. to cooking dinner or sorting the kids out, or you never yeah. stop really n- and stop and evaluate what's gone on I- with your day. You just no. you just pre- prepare for the next <laughs> day. You, just, you know, you you, you it's already, but you don't do, you don't stop no. and think about it, well, what, what little, you've actually yeah, done. And, those little
1: positive things. There was mm. a, uh, I did a course recently on people with, suicide and self-harm, one of the things they're saying was feedback from patients was someone just saying something positive to you, like, I like your jumper today, or, mm. hi, nice to see you, just those little positive things, little little things that all come together, and I think you're right, mm. you know, we, we do, you get to the end of the day, it's been a rush of the day, think, oh, got to get X, Y, and Z done, and then tomorrow's another day, but actually those little times, you know, positive feedback on what's gone well is actually really, really helpful. Mm. It doesn't have to be a big sort of cheesy American grin and like yeah. five it's just saying oh that was great or you know that's the best cup of tea i've had today mm-hmm. you know that's you know that's something Yeah, it's tough to it appreciate
2: what, yeah. what's going on yeah but you wanted to talk about a bit about alcohol didn't you when yeah. before we came on and obviously we're at the end now aren't we of the, the last january. day of
1: dry january yeah. so it kind of all fits in doesn't it yeah i thought i thought it's i thought it's it good because i think it's a it's it's iceberg of a problem i think you know yeah. we're all aware about it but it's it's sitting there and as a country we're probably drinking more than we should do, mm. um, so I think dry January is a great idea. But I think my my concern is people do dry January, they think, "Oh, that's me done."
2: Mm.
1: I'll, a bit like we were talking about dieting early. You know, you, I'll do this diet and now I am better. Then I'll go back to what I've done before. And I think it is about that moderation and learning and learning. I think, as you were saying, just learning, how you felt better because of it. You know, you. I mean, I certainly, if I don't have a drink, I sleep better. Mm. You wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. You know. But well, for me because I've done, I so I'm, I'm off the booze at the moment. But yeah. well, I will
0: drink till our next drink. But I don't yeah. set a date on it anymore because I yeah. used to go mm-hmm. draw January from the fifth put on the first of uh, you February. So it's <laughs> Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. Wish back, I, and I'd be really naughty. Yeah. And it's a kid at Christmas. Mm-hmm.
2: So I think it's as you say. It's I've done my time. Yeah. I'm ready to go again. Uh, I
0: think it's got to be. you know what I'm what I'm constantly trying to do. Cause I have. I had drinking problems before and I have uh problems with other stuff. And it's not beating yourself up for doing it, but it hasn't got to be a reward. You haven't got to punish yourself for doing it, but you haven't got to reward yourself by doing it. Yeah. It's got to be, in my opinion, I'm not knocking no mm. one for nothing. I wish I could go home and have a glass of wine. But as soon as I have one, I'm having a bottle. Yeah. And then that's wet my whistle. So it carries on then. Yeah, I think if I could drink for occasions, not just it's a Tuesday. Yeah. or it's or it's a great day or it's a terrible day.
1: Yeah,
0: it's thinking. You know what, we're going out for a meal, or you yeah. know what, we're seeing the lads, or whatever it is. I think the key is using it for an enjoyment. Yeah, a positive, a positive thing. A, a, a positive because there's yeah. a difference when we're drinking because we're happy to when we're draining gas sorrows. Mm. That's not a good experience, you know. What I mean, it, yeah. I've done it more than the most. You know, but you're lamping it down here to, you know, but you don't forget about it. You find yourself getting very emotional about it, passing out, and then you've still got to deal with it the next day. But you're hungover. Yeah. You know, it's like um the parents have gone out, so the naughty kids had to come out. But the next day, the parents are really pissed off at
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. It's about. It's about not becoming a habit, isn't it? A habit, yeah. And that's the key thing, isn't it? That if it becomes a habit and you're doing this all the time, actually, you know, it becomes the norm, and therefore, actually, that little bit of pleasure in it, on that things like, oh, I really fancy that glass of wine or mm. that pint of beer or whatever, that that goes because it's now just a habit. And mm. so, I think you're right. I mean, that little bit bit of. Um, my grandmother used to call it family hold back, F-H-B, she should say. <laughs> hold back. And I think a little bit of that is is, is good, yeah. I, I don't doubt it at all. Because I never used to drink in the house,
0: apart from if I had the lads over. Mm. But I, I used to use the pub for going out. Yeah. And then when I got my wife, before we were married, i remember going to a pub with her uh, in uh, in my village. And we were the only people there, and I was paying, oh, I don't know what time, £3, paying, £4 paying for a pint. Mm. And, and I thought, no, we could do this at home. And they become the problem because when you're, when you're in a pub, you start slurring, you start stumbling, you go, oh, I better go home. But when you're at home, you're getting from the settee to the fridge. And next thing you know, you go, Oh, I ain't drunk that much. And you see eight, ten cans or a couple of mm. bottles, you're going, Bloody, mm. hell, I didn't realize I drunk that much. Yeah. And because it's affordable. I'm not saying we should put the price up in supermarkets for anyone <laughs> says, but you know what I mean? Cause that's the problem. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll make everything expensive. That doesn't work, does it? Cause someone, if you want it, you'll always find money to buy for right. it. like Cigarettes, like drugs, like anything else. But because you can get a crate mm. for a tenner, you will drink a crate. It's like with a Mars bar, a Mars bar is a pen, but you can get six Mars bars for one pound 20. So you have six Mars bars. Yeah.
1: That's the problem. I think if you look internationally, I think the, Price is a, you know, it, it does govern consumption to a degree, doesn't it? And and I think, I think compared to when I was young, I think alcohol is relatively cheaper from the shops than it used to be. Oh yeah, from the shops. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, and it is cheap. And I think that probably is part of the problem we have. But as you say, people now don't go to the pub or go out; they drink in. All the kids seem to do pre-drinks before they get before they go out and stuff, and that's probably part of the problem. I think. I can't see a way around it apart from the price up, to be honest. But then the problem is drugs are so cheap.
0: Yeah, and the problem is because when I was a kid, I was I was not at fifteen hmm? going upstairs, but there was an etiquette.
2: Yeah,
0: there was. um it was. But you learned, and if you you found a pub, and you could get served, and hmm. they barge you. You have to walk in and say, oh, "I'm ever so sorry," and you'd have, you'd have to have decorum. And if you work, whereas kids are now going out at eighteen, some places twenty one. Hmm. And it's cheaper to stay at home doing drugs on the internet or on Tinder than it is doing alcohol. And the thing is, there isn't any regulations with drugs. There's no, you don't know what you're taking. So I think we've, we've lost the war on drugs. I personally believe legalize drugs and get them from a smart shop. And if it's stronger drugs, get it from the doctor and the chemist. Because if you're going to do drugs, like you don't go to Morrisons and go Hobnobs, personal oh, heroin's on special. I'll get some smack if you are going to do drugs you're going to do drugs and i think if you are going to do it make it as safe as you can because i think alcohol is legal but we see the devastating effects it can have on you mentally physically domestically and drugs have got the same ramifications but if we made them safer for the punters it makes the community safer as well Because you take the pair away from the gangs, like with Prohibition. If I take the pair away from the gangs and the dealers and have the drugs there but make them safe for the user and the community, we're winning all around and we can tax it then and put that money into rehab and better facilities to help people get clean and education. So you go to a smart shop or how an off-license used to be, like how we'd ask about wines and spirits and saying, I want to do this. I want to be a paranoid. However, I'm paranoid or I have mental health problems, then they could advise you on the best
1: things to take according to your health. Would you agree with? The... I, I I must confess, I think the idea is attractive. Yeah. Um. I think decriminalise. Well, I, you've got you know decriminalising drugs first, so that yeah. people don't go to dealers and stuff seems just common sense to yeah. me. I think the question is then how you manage it from there on in, isn't it? So. Mm. Because I agree, take the crime out of it seems sensible. Because the you know that the drug the drug economy is driving so much of what's not right in our society at the moment. Yeah. So I think so. I get. I think that that's not a bad idea. I like the safety and knowing what's going on is is correct as well. I, the problem you have is the people who then don't conform to that. Mm. Who then say, "I'll go and get my legal drugs and I'll get the illegal drugs." So I think you then fall into how do we change the and I don't know the answer mm. what do to do with the criminal justice system to say that you will go along this route and that route is going to be really very very, very difficult for mm. you um because that's the, the challenge isn't it you, you want the patient to get okay fine as an individual I'll go along the legal the healthcare, the safe route mm. so you're right I mean all the things like hepatitis HIV you'd reduce the instance of those because mm. people would not be sharing needles they'd be you know with all the clean needle projects and stuff have all been shown to have great benefit i think it so that side of it works i think that the key thing will be what do we do with the criminal justice system when people go right i've had my nhs portion i'm now going to go and get the illegal portion i think mm. we probably my own view would be that has got to become probably more robust than it is currently
2: i think you also may have a, an issue with kind of like alcohol because it's so red it would be so readily be available mm. are you going to create more addicts
0: there's a lot of addicts out there anyway. There is. There I is it going to
2: exaggerate no,
0: that? I don't think so. It's like in other countries, like in Portugal, where they lot. crime rates and drugs have gone down. In Holland, where it's a lot easier to get drugs, mm. it, it runs so. And then if you look at cannabis, it's a multi-billion pound project, which would get us really out the hole. And you're thinking, people are growing plants? You know what I mean? Let's make it safe. Let, not safer. Why are we throwing people behind bars for stuff like that, where you got pedophiles and It is true, but it's,
2: we also know that cannabis is a, a gateway drug. Nah, booze
0: is a gateway drug. Well, they so, all are, but
2: that's what I'm saying. So if you'll go for that point nah, to I think that's being bollocks. easier to have <laughs> <add> that. <laughs> no, I think it's but bollocks. It, it, well, it's not because there's proof there, isn't there? Proof
0: is alcohol. Ask anyone here, if anyone who does drugs, what, what got you into drugs? Booze? But when you're drunk, It's a great idea to do drugs, cannabis, a lot of stoners just get stoned. I mean, some people go on to do other stuff, but it's, if you make stuff safer, it's better prostitution. If you had somewhere where the girls are safe, when people are doing stuff on the street and it's unregulated, that's when people get hurt. Once things are in the shadows, that's when the criminal aspect comes in. Make stuff safer for people. Like when Prohibition, we had all the gangs in America because booze was there so the gangsters it. if we make stuff safe it's better and once someone's in and you go um mr Dunn, you've come for your heroin or you've come for your crack cocaine you've come for your whatever you do know um at any time you can get rehab because rehab in this country is a nightmare it's so expensive and i've got countless friends who've gone and done it and it's thousands of pounds or well, then you could end the, the free route and it's you know like a bushy fields or something and it's terrible,
2: it is, but I think it's not as black and white as doing that. It's not
0: nothing is black because and white. You look,
2: at, you look at something as simple as money, yeah. there's people out there will squirrel that money away till they're multi multi billionaires and then keep going. Yeah, you, you have the potential been, of creating that same no,
0: nothing is black and white, but let's face it, the way that we've been doing it for how many years has failed, mm, yeah, diabolically failed.
1: It's, it's not working, is it? I mean, I think. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I kind of agree. I mean, and cannabis, cannabis now is not like cannabis was 20 or 30 oh, years no. ago. In terms of you know, we're seeing young people taking various strains of cannabis, and you know, mm. like Black Mamba is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and skunk and various other variants, where they are getting severely psychotic, and you know, taking you know several months to just come out of their psychosis. So i think like i said it's a really complex mm. i think i think the, the idea of it's not that you're making drugs safe you're managing the risk better aren't you and if you've got someone let's say with skunk people
0: are having to grow they're growing it there's no regulations no. if it's i don't know benton edges <laughs> you know bent yeah. ed, if they're making it then it's you know they've got to live up to a certain time they can say this is like in alcohol three percent five percent this mm. is your absinthe of weed, and it's regulated, and you can go and get it from there. People will grow it in their in houses, but if you can go, I I can go to the off license, and buy it legally, I know what weight it is, and it's safer.
2: That's why. Do you not think that more people will grow it?
0: Some people will.
2: Some I think, I will, think if it's legalised and and you but potentially can't get in trouble for it, but then people, more people do it. People brew their own ale.
0: Yeah. People brew their own wine. People do that, but most people go to shops to buy it. You know what I mean, and that—that's the whole thing about it.
2: But the thing, the reason why people do it that way and not the other is just cost. So if you could grow it cheaper at home, then you can buy it. Unlike the supermarket, but to we grow, can go to a pub and pay four pound, or we can go to a supermarket and get four cans for four pound.
0: But you could grow a plant in your windowsill, and that's going to be like the old home grow. But if you're going to buy all the pumps and plants and farm feed. It's very expensive, unless you're going to have a big grow. So it's different ways. But if you look at the countries that have done it, it is most people, you know, on the average, people will go and buy it, which puts money back into the system. It's not like a, a, a cocaine, like because you can go and buy it up from the back of a pub, and you don't know what you're taking. It's with rat poison, it's with hairspray, it's with all these things. And so you're only having like, I don't know, say on a... A gram, you're getting point two, point one of the actual cocaine. The rest is poison. So if we can make that safe for the users, it's got to be better. I'm not saying it'll be perfect because these things never will be mm. perfect. But let's try something new
2: because we there's something new
0: because we're filling our prisons up with addicts and desperate people, and they're not coming out going wow. Well, that six months in prison, I've come out and clean. I'm reformed. It's I went in, and I'm addicted. I know a gangster's money because I couldn't afford it. Now I've got to pay them back. It's got to be a better way. I mean, I think the whole prison thing has got to be reformed. Do you,
1: I, I, can see the, I think the two I think the risk reduction. I agree, but I think there's a criminal justice side of it we, I mean, we looked at, we should be look at. Um, I think the problem with. And this is a personal view. I agree with you. Probably the problem the prison is it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It doesn't reform so, people. No, so people go in and actually often come out with more. My experience of patients is they come out with more problems than they went in with, or at least as many as they went in with. And I think that we see prison. I mean, I think what we do is we put someone in prison for whatever they've done wrong. They come out and we kind of don't support them enough. Yes. That investment in people. Um and how we do that and how we afford it is another issue and i, and I just think people come out of prison you know i've got some you know i've had some patients who've had awful times in prison they've come mm. out and made a real positive difference once around mm. but they're they're the exception on the rule and i think that you know most people have got something positive to give and the problem is bouncing in of prison just doesn't seem to help them and I, I like that i i think that we at our peril we don't you now the question i have is whether you and this one I've shared with friends, do you do the rehabilitation in prison or do you offer a fantastic support package when they come out of prison? I think a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, and I almost think the new world out of prison has got where, where they've got to be really supported to mm. really get back into a steady life, a job, relationships, some source of finance, which means they're not driven to go and get their money from the previous route. So I think, and I don't think we did the second bit very well. well.
2: The outer life, the real life, the mm. outer prison is probably the scariest yeah, part yeah.
1: of yeah. it. And I, I think we, you know, we do let people down. And you go back, you you, you go to prison for
0: six months, six years, however many mm. years. And then you just out. Mm. And it's, A, well, where am I going? Yeah. Uh, I haven't got a family, or I'll go back, to, or go back to friends who were in my former life. I'm back in there. I've got all the best intentions in the world. However, I've got to survive. And then you find yourself back doing the natural instinct to survive. is so powerful, isn't it? Mm. And we survive by any means necessary. And if
1: that's how we've stayed alive before, we fall back onto old habits. Well, the world now is very, very fun. You've got to have money to survive. I mean, 100 years ago, you could come out of prison. You could probably, you know, people growing their own plants. Yeah. They were, there was much less of a financial incentive. Now, if you haven't got, got the money, you can't afford somewhere to live. Yeah. As as you want to get somewhere to live, you have to, to get some money. If you have to get money, you might go back to crime. And I just think we, we're missing a trick. I mean, and um, the, the numbers here, I apologize for anybody, it may be wrong. My understanding is every prisoner costs us 40,000 pound a year to keep in prison. Yeah. Surely we should be spending something similar to that for the first year or two out of prison to keep them well and moving in the right direction. Imagine it seems nuts. I mean that I and mean, those are just rough numbers averaged out. That's the number I sort of picked out of
2: the, and, yeah. and you've got to do reform in prison to yeah. be to to be able to do that. Yeah. But imagine you lock
0: me up for 40 grand. Yeah. Imagine what prevention you could do with that 40 grand oh. if you invested it in boxing clubs, in rugby yeah. clubs, in Dojos in churches yeah. in mosques, wherever it was, in <laughs> whatever it is, riding yeah. horses. And you went not just for the naughty kids, but just mm. places because the devil makes work of odd lands. Minan I used to say, mm. but if you have positive role models around you saying, Come here, you haven't got to be vile to be odd, yeah. or you haven't got to be doing this, and you have real role models with lived experience, mentors, whatever mm. you want to call them, you could stop a lot of this crime, yeah. showing people because. Our days of community, when the kids were playing out in the mm. street and the old lady be keeping her eyes and, oh, Dylan, mm. don't kick that door! I'll tell your mom. Sorry, Missus Ludlow. Mm. They've gone. Yeah. So if we got the sense of community back in, it takes a village to raise a child, and makes that child feel important and loved by people. Mm. We could stop the crime happening from grassroots.
2: Yeah. I think to me, to me, it goes actually down to the most majority of. The clients. A lot of crime happens to afford life, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, if you actually just paid a fair wage, like you think about the next generation that comes up, how many are going to be able to afford to have a mortgage? Mm. Whereas our parents, not Mm. so much us, but our parents, that was. You know, you, yeah. the, you worked. You could pretty much afford a mortgage if both of oh. you worked. That's not the case anymore. And I think actually, if From you've got, if you've got people, yeah. if you had the prospects of being able to do things like that, so I'll go to work. I know I've got to go and work hard, but oh. I, I can. There's crime. something at the end of it. Mm. I think you'd, a lot of crime would stop. To be honest, because crime is probably more of an easy money route, isn't it? Potentially, you earn more than if you were doing a a, a nine to five and earning minimum wage. You I, I think
1: you're. I, mean, I think you're right. I mean, if you have no, if you if you have no hope, hope life becomes hopeless, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know it's mm-hmm. stating the obvious, but I think you're right. It's it's challenging times, and mm. I, I think they do say what happens to America comes here, and I do worry that if you look in America, you know, you've got large amounts of social housing where people are housed to deliver work, whatever the industry requires. And you're getting more polarised society in America. I think that's happening here with, you know, the uber, uber wealthy, I think you? you said mm-hmm. earlier, really, you know, away millions and millions and millions and, and other people are struggling to make ends meet. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think, I think it's a point well made. And, you know, it's, it, it is hard. We have talked to old oh guy at
0: the radio, weren't we? Mm. We, we? And he was saying, he goes, he remembers the coronation of the Queen. Mm. And he says, I remember, Kev, thinking the future's going to be bright. Because we all had hope in our hearts that everything was going to get better, and I think
2: because mm. no, that was just after the after the war. After wasn't it? the
0: war, yeah. is, I look at people, and you can see the dread mm. in the face. There isn't that optimism of, well, you know, the new king. We're the all new this prime together, and let's get going. Yeah, yeah, we're all going to bite them, but don't worry, guys, we'll be all right. And is that kind of bollocks for everyone? I'll be all right. I'll do bad for everyone, and. Yeah
1: it's it, it, mm. it,
0: that's that's sad as a community isn't it yeah i think you're right that kind of sparkle has gone out of everyone it's that uh, well well to me and if i'm not getting on you ain't
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, i think you're right it's difficult different times i mean i think people collectively are much more cohesive than i a parallel i always use and again i know we're totally off topic was that if you look at the fa cup final in 1956 or 54 around then everybody was wearing long dark coats and a hat. Mm. all the men there it was basically more men um you look now into football grounds and there's all sorts going on so we were very much more conformist and much more moving in that direction whereas now we're, i think we're much more in the age of the individual aren't we where mm. people individually fight for themselves and individually get what they they, they think they need so i think we've sort of life is you know is more personal now mm. whereas then it was much more collective which is there's two sides of that argument because i heard that's something else it's like because it, we're, we're all taught about
0: individuality and it's great mm. to be individual and don't conform don't conform but sometimes you know, that bit of conforming ain't bad when it's conforming to kindness when it's yeah. conforming to checking on your neighbor mm. you know what i mean the damn kind of things um do you mind doing my shift i'll do your shift next mm. week sound
1: <laughs> oh, I, I'm. All for, I, I think. Yeah. I think. I, I think conforming. You know, having a, a common directive and common mm-hmm. set of values is common four? good. Yeah. Well, look, but like I said, I think we, we're much more into the individual now, and, and that, that, that's that's the way society has developed, isn't it? And sometimes I look at the way it's going, and I think, is it for the better? I really don't. But then every generation says that. Don't oh, well, we? good. You know, might not be spinning in the grave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the, hu- the human race is, you know, we're a pretty clever lot. And, and you hope that the people, and I, I think actually a lot of the younger people now, I mean, I'm old, but, you know, the generation, you know, who are now coming through, you know, teen into their 20s, have some quite interesting views on what, what's going on, how they will handle things, and, and maybe aren't going to be feel quite as a pressure to be just moving in one direction they could be a bit more you know much more diverse much more relaxed about what they do not seeking that million dollar career on day one you know and i, I observe you know as a doctor i would say people i know and i meet as patients most people know if you work hard you, you know you'll be able to get along all right you know, may not have you know you may not have a sort of you know tick tock lifestyle or you know these influencers but You'll be able to afford a decent, you know, a decent standard of living that's acceptable. And I think that, you know, hard work goes a long way. Mm.
0: I think that's the key, working
1: hard. But back
0: to you, like I wanted to ask you, like, as yeah. as a doctor, I mean, some days, you know, when you've got to be this this fountain of knowledge and knowing everything that's going on in the human body to mm. every person, and sometimes, you know, when you've had a bad day or you've had, you know, a bit of sad news at the doc, uh, at, mm. at, at the surgery, do you take your stress home? Um or have you got any methods that have stopped you from doing it?
1: No, I I I know what you mean. I mean I certainly I think it's probably my personality. I tend to think about the days that have gone well. Um yeah, I do I mean, sometimes I go home and Amanda says she says, Oh, what's been going on today? And she'll say, Oh, well tell me about it. So I would tend to talk about it. Hmm. Um I suppose I'm lucky that I- Amanda's a psychologist. So it's quite helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get, I get free debriefing, you
2: see. Um,
1: you she know, never wants to come on here. She's always welcome yeah, as well. I, I just say to her that, I say, you're probably better at this than me. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, you do take it home and and you do, you think about it and there is responsibility. But I think actually the patients make it easy for, easy for us. I think overall patients are they are respectful, they do understand the limitations of, you know, the thing with being a GP is you see everything right at the beginning. Mm. So the odd twinge that you might think is nothing and most of the time isn't, may become something over a week or two or a month or two. And I think in the UK, the patients, the, I mean, I, you know, patients may, you know, understand that's how it works. Um, and they understand communication is important. So, like I said, I, I, I said to a patient recently, thank you for making my job easy. So patients are involved in that as well, of understanding the limitations of what we do, the fact that you know, you know, today I was doing a a webinar on headaches with one of our salary GPs. There are two hundred GPs around the country logged in about headaches. I said headaches are like kids with a fever. Everybody's worried to death about them. We know that most kids with a fever actually just get better because kids do that. Mm. And we know that a vast majority of headaches actually are nothing to worry about. But we're all worried about that 0.01 percent mm-hmm. which is which is the, which are the difficult ones and that's where talk to the patients comes in and like i said my experience is patients make our job easy by understanding that and um accepting communication and, and keeping things going so yeah i take it home i i do get you know we have, we'll have another chat about stuff um but i often remember the good you know i, I tend to remember good things rather than bad things have you found it's been a bit awkward because i know my particular gp
0: yeah you can't like if you try and phone in yeah um you can't get it one minute past eight you know it's fully booked and you can't book for in the week anymore yeah and then you have to send an email but i'm impaired to send it to my wife but she can't do it and so do you feel like we've gone backwards since the pandemic it's just day to day getting an appointment
1: i think it's for the good and the problem is capacity so if you think about it there are there used to be roughly one GP for every sort of 1,800 people, 1,400 people. That's what number was aimed for. Um, one GP for everybody? About 1,400 people. Good oh deal. So we we aimed for 1,450 was what we aimed for. And it's drifted. And you got some areas there, we got one G person, one GP for 3,000 patients. Good oh deal. So if you look at it, when the current government came in, not being political, they said we'd like to recruit, we had 30,000 GPs then. They said they'd like to recruit another 6,000 GP, so 36,000 GP is what they're aiming for. We've now got 26,500.
2: Is that uh, all there is? Yeah, oh it's just the whole of
1: England. The whole of that's England? all of England, yeah. That's, but I mean, it's billions 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 of people, people. <laughs> that, yeah. So the, the yeah, problem you've got is you've got, it? and I'm one of them you, you've got an aging population of doctors yeah. who are falling off the end, as in terms of their giving up work or cutting their hours. You've got not that many younger doctors coming into general practice because they see the way the world is. You know, a hospital is a much more protected environment, a so much more focused career structure, et cetera. And, like I said, the government, you just can't mag- magic up more GPs. I mean, no, and it's years difficult. and
2: years of training. Yeah. It, think,
1: and so, and so you've got, like I said, over the last five or six years, you've gone from 30,000 GPs to 20, I think it's, I look today, 26,700 GPs in the country.
2: That really surprises me. Yeah. That's not a lot at all.
1: No, that really isn't a lot It's isn't, and so the problem you've got is, if you look at the numbers, so the number of patients I will see at work tomorrow, is more than ever, but it ain't enough, hmm. and it ain't enough. Well, it's t- never
2: going to be at that. Uh, no, because
1: yeah. we're we're twenty five percent shy of where the plans target was.
2: Yeah, and and how fast is the um, how you know how fast is the amount of people growing per day.
1: In terms of population,
2: population, yeah.
1: Well, I think because every every everyone who comes into the world needs a GP at some point. Yeah, I think we've gone up. I think the last twenty years population's gone up by about seven million, hasn't it? So it's gone up quite a lot. So seven million and less less GPs. Yeah, you've got less GPs, and of course, there's you've got increasing demands, and people are more aware of what they should be asking and asking the right questions. Doctor Google, and there, yeah, and there isn't, yeah. I mean, Doctor Google is there. And there isn't the capacity to answer. It. And that's the problem. So I think GP has expanded their capacity, but that's full. And once it's full, it overflows. There is, it's not like,
2: you mm. know,
1: if you want to see an orthopaedic surgeon in some parts of the country, it's a two-year wait now. Um, so if you had to wait to see a GP for two years, there would be It's, a, it's
2: a two-year wait for My daughter, um, she has an unsafe swallow. so She has to get a video thoroscopy. I think, yeah, that you see right. There's a two-year wait now for that. Mm. And that's, that's that's a scan that's, you know, it's not like trying to go and see your GP where no. you get loads of people yeah. trying to go and see the GP. It's a scan that's I can't imagine used a, a, a great deal.
1: No, uh, and there's I a mean, two year wait. That's right. And that's the problem, isn't it? So what happened? Then when you get the weights on the hospital side, patients come back to the GP and say, my hip's still hurting, doc, went gonna fixed? Mm. When am I, you know, I had exactly that interesting, say, video fluoroscopy, I had a, a lady with a neurological problem. So, uh, you know, and, um, phoned up and said look she was referred last may and i was told waiting well, this is two years mm. so they those people then come back to gp so well, what's going to happen you're going well i can't i mean i said to the patient last week i can control lots of things i try and do lots but i can't control what the hospitals do because they have their own problems you know yeah. and so i think you, you find people just circulating around the system so it's, yeah that there is a like i said a, a real problem mm. and i think like i said it probably we all need to think about how we're going to handle it yeah well
2: um, that, uh, the the backup from COVID's made that because obviously people weren't doing things like those procedures yeah. so you're you're backed up from that point as well aren't yeah. you it's kind of coming at, coming at you both ways really yeah. would you like more
0: like uh walking centers so in between the doctor and a and e having somewhere we can go out of all out of hours to go and see someone so because sometimes you you've got like sickness and diarrhea mm. A and E, and you're thinking, well, that's just spread all around, And in my opinion, A and E should be for accidents and emergencies. Yeah, you know what I mean. And if you can't get into the GP, where do you go?
1: It'd be nice to have more walking centres. I'm not a big fan because I, I mean, I, I, if you look again, this is if you look back up until 2008 when we had the new GP contract, we as practised all our, our own SF of hours. Yeah. So if you phoned up, you'd get me or one of the one of the other one of the other doctors. And that's quite helpful because I you'd yeah. know me, I'd know you, and yeah. we would come to agree more what was gonna happen. Um, then we went along the walking center route, and all the walking centers, because they don't know you, they just tend to say, Come up and we'll see you, and they tend to so the patients get seen more and more often by people who don't know them. Yeah. And all that does is tend to reinforce the idea that this is an appropriate use of time and time and effort. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time it isn't because you know, people phone up saying exactly as you say, you know. My child's had a couple of loose nappies. I would often say, "Well, how are they? They're absolutely fine. They're playing So I are great." So the little person's doing all right. Yeah, you've got a symptom there, which isn't unusual. I think we're okay to watch and wait. Whereas, if you take this to a walking centre, you end up or you phone one one one. You're told to head to A and E or to a walking centre. And so, I think what's happened is that's led to a spike in demand. So, if you have a, more walking centres, you'll one assumes you'll more doctors in them. Mm who will and we're short of them so i think i think there's something about helping people make wiser decisions so how would you do
0: after like so you're like your gp surgery hmm. have more open um what how
1: did you say um, A-tubes. A-tubes, A-tubes, out of so hours. more of those services i think out of hours by experienced gps is good but the problem is out of hours work is now so demanding, mm. you can't cope with it anymore. So mm. for once, better word, I think the GPs up to 2000 kept a lid on the box by knowing their patient, knowing their population, trusting people, and patients trusting the GPs. And that's gone, and to try and get that back it will take 20 years, won't it? People...
2: It's going to require a lot a lot of GPs coming yeah. in, isn't it? At
1: that yeah. point, too. And it also the patients, and you know, I've got patients now who, you know, their grandchildren, you know, have been born and I looked after them when they were giving birth to their children.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. So you've got that longer to, and I think that, long family that, history that yeah, you and I think it adds, you know, it means you know, you know that fact and they trust you and, mm. you know, simple things, you know, they phone up about the child's had a vaccination, they've now got a rash or there's a small lump where they've had the vaccination, is that all right? And these things are all easy dealt with by phone but now they become a, an attendance somewhere in the system which is why this system's all clogged up
2: i suppose 111 does that in a way doesn't it because you, i know one's kind of a set criteria of questions and depending mm. on the how you answer depends on where they mm. send you or don't send you whereas let's say it is that mm. kid with diarrhea they might go well, actually you need to go straight to yeah. vaccines emerging where you speak to them, you know the family you know the history and actually yeah. this is what we're going to do at this point yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. one by one is just a signposting system. Yeah. So they yeah. they don't resolve anything mm. in terms of they don't say that's fine, leave it alone. They they might send to a pharmacist, A and E, nine nine nine, to your GP. That they will they always send you somewhere. Mm. Um, so they don't reduce demand, so and that's, that's what I'm saying. And like yeah. I, say, I think we're in a situation where people want and expect more of healthcare, you've got a limited number of healthcare professionals to deliver it. And that situation has deteriorated over the last five to ten years, and that's why we are where we are. Having said that, you know, you you, you get Dr. Dr. Lloyd on here is a, a mate of mine. Um, he'll tell you, you know, in the practice working flat out. We're, we're, I mean, I have far more contact with patients now than I did twenty years ago. Really? And it's yeah, and it's just it, it it isn't enough, you know. And, and just do
2: to due to sheer amount of numbers, mm. yeah.
1: So, in terms of patient contacts per day, we're well ahead of where we were, but like I said, it's different. And so, I think, in some ways, um, whether it's online, virtual, face to face, photos, emails, I think they all have spaces that they all have, you know, applications for each for different patients, you know, that your elderly patients really really struggle with the IT yeah some of for some of our younger patients quite like the idea they can get a rash they can snap it on their phone and send it and get some you know what pictures. funny enough though uh, my <laughs> wife does that all the time with my daughter
2: yeah, yeah. for our GP she's will she'll yeah. she, uh, she got a rash around her peg site take a photo and, and it is it, it's you know if, if not we're wasting a lot of GP time mm. taking her there to go wash to give her just a uh, prescribe a basic cream that will yeah. help where she takes that photo and yeah.
1: So I think I don't think it's all for the bad. I just yeah. think there is a there is just a capacity problem, mm. and it's both the, the people coming in and the number of people there to deliver the, the, the work. Um, I, you know, there are again there are sort one hundred and forty thousand vacancies in the NHS for jobs at the moment. Yeah. So it's not That's surprising. That, yeah, it's not surprising. It's creaking a bit to mm. be honest. That's scary.
0: You know, for them people who make an appointment and just don't turn up, mm. what would you say to them <laughs>
1: people? Um,
0: so you can't swear else. on here No, no. I think, I think,
1: I think you said earlier. It, you know, it takes a, you know, a, ch- a child's brought up by the village. Mm. It takes a village bring for Charles child, and that's kind of what we lost, isn't it? And that's mm. what we've lost with the continuity of the GPS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think people who don't turn up for appointments, you're letting you're letting your village. It's down, a bit aren't of a else's courtesy gone, yeah. isn't it? There, just yeah. a bit of courtesy. I must confess, it's not a big. I think we get less of that now. Yeah. Because you've got a hybrid system where you might speak to somebody, you might do a video call, you may see them face to face. I think it's it's um, it's probably less of a problem. Um, I think it's more of a problem in the hospital uh, for outpatients. And they you know, they've had their X, Y, and Z done. They're feeling better. and They think, oh, can I take half a day off work to go to the hospital to so be told I'm better? Yeah. Um, so I don't even at that
2: point yeah. to make a phone call to cancel the yeah. appointment is you know yeah. it's it's. Like, I think it's a lot of Yeah, I mean,
1: if if you don't, you, you know, it's the other people, isn't it? You're depriving someone else of that, and mm. it's back to your village thing. You know, there could be someone else who could actually ha- have a real need for that appointment who's missed out because you didn't turn up to your appointment. Mm.
0: And do you think, like the same with the nurses and uh, doctors? Do you think Brexit had a big effect on on it, or not as big as some people might think?
1: Um, I think it certainly affected nurses more than doctors, isn't it? Because we had, we were, ha- we were there were quite a lot of nurses coming from Europe to work here in so Eastern Europe. Um, historically, we tended to um, recruit doctors from overseas, often from countries we've had links to. So whether it's Canada, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, more the off. Indian subcontinent. Yeah, I mean, so we've often recruited from there. So I think it's less, I mean, my perception is less of a problem with doctors, but certainly a significant problem with nurses and with other care workers as well. You know, people providing social care at home, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to ask? I think that's been brilliant, Doc. Okay. Well, thank you. Have you, as always, have you got any quotes or sayings that you'd like to share with us?
1: A quote or saying? I can't remember what I said last time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to remember what I said last time because one of my favorite quotes is the most important thing in life isn't things Um, I like that one Mm. Um, what would you say the most important things then?
0: if they're not what's the most important if it's not things to you to you What,
1: what, what what I'm saying so I'm saying it's not what, what I mean by that, it's not about what you've got around okay. you, it's about your people, it's your yeah. relationships, it's your it's your experiences, you know, mm. and it's what you give to others, isn't it? Rather than gold bars and diamonds mm. and a Ferrari in the garage. Yeah. And I think it's quite a good way of look, looking at it. I think, you know, the, the, that that is a good way of looking at it. I, like and the, it. I think the other thing, I've, I've said this one before, was um, I think the Stalin who said, there are decades when nothing happens and, weeks where decades happen you know and i can mm-hmm. see that you know it's felt like ukraine recently, stuff yeah, yeah. europe was very very stable suddenly it's got very unstable mm-hmm. well we
0: definitely have seen that over the last couple of years and i think about mm-hmm. my daughter's seven and what she's seen in her seven years mm-hmm. of pandemic to the death of um the queen 15 prime ministers mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's it's amazing what can happen in such a small period of time well uh war in um in Europe as you say it's Yeah. You go from nothing to everything, don't you? But isn't
1: that yeah. just life? It is, yeah. And we'll look back and say, you know, there'll be something else that will excite your entire as won't there. But yeah, it's it it is um it's funny how these things, you know, life was going very, very smoothly. And all of a sudden, you know, hopefully this Ukraine thing will get sorted out, but I I can't see it in the short term. Bring back the smooth, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys,
0: thank you as Lovely. always. Um, until we see each other next time, I want you all yeah. to take care of yourselves and each other. To a repeat. Yeah. listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page, and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, to bit.
2: Listen, listen.